0: receive something amazing from the Father this morning. I want you to get ready to receive something amazing from the Father this morning. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to put your seatbelts on. Everybody go click. I need you to make sure you're ready to go this morning because I've got a ton of stuff to go through this morning. And so I'm fixing to pull out the Jeff card. And if you thought i talked fast last week... I'm going to talk like my brother Jeff this week. And you better get ready for something today, amen? And we're going to watch God rock this thing out. And so as we're beginning this morning, I want to just completely emphasize this again. And I want to start out this morning's message by simply saying this. I love you. Amen. Man, I love you guys. And I, I mean, I truly mean that, from, with, not from the bottom of my heart, but with all of my heart. Man, I love you guys. And I love coming into a, a, an environment of home To be able to see you guys. And know that when you walk through those doors, I don't look at you as somebody I got to (laughs) fix. I look at you as somebody I get to sit back and relax and enjoy the presence of the Father with. And let Daddy God not just come to us, but have access through us to do amazing things in his kingdom. And you're not a project for, for us to fix as a church. You are somebody that we are to love, and we do love you with all that we have. And we want you to know that from, with, with all that we have. We love you guys, and we love TWBC. And, man, God's just given me such an amazing passion for you guys since we started praying about this whole year, uh, about the last quarter of last year, and seeing what he would do. That, that I just want to see you experience the fullness Amen. of all that God has for you. It's kind of like when you look at your kids when they're growing up and and you see them and and you know that God's got so much in store for them and you just want to give it all to them. But you know that it's God's job to give it to them. And and, and so that's how I feel. It's like, oh, God, just give it all to them. Show them everything that you have for them. And I've been praying fervently and passionately about that because I want you to have all that the Father has for you everything about it and so i want you to know that that i love you and i'm so passionate about you and i believe that this is all going to take place in an environment where you feel at home so i want you to feel at home this morning i'm not going to make you kick your shoes off again i'm not going to make you thumb wrestle again but i hope you've experienced the presence of the father in such a way over the past three weeks where you went out of a chair of homelessness into a place of sonship and you can look across the aisle and say "Woo, this is home This is home, and I pray that this is a safe environment because the presence of the Father is here. And we know the homeless environment is the absence of the presence of the Father. And so we want you to take the presence of the Father that you feel in this place and take it to your earthly home. Amen? Take it to the place where the presence of the Father doesn't just reside in this building, but it resides in every area of your life. And last week we talked about the covenant, and we defined the covenant and what it really meant. And a covenant defined is this. it is um, The covenant is so binding that the two parties are no longer identified as individuals, but as one. The parties are no longer identified as individuals but as one. And I use the covenant of marriage as a great example because it's the best one we have. Even the Apostle Paul said it. It's the best example we have of the relationship we have with Christ. Because when me and my wife got married, the two became one flesh. And so what you say about me, you say about her. What you say about her, you say about me. And I'm so glad y'all always tell her she looks pretty because you're saying I look pretty. Amen. (laughs) just kidding but whatever you do to her it's done to me and vice versa and so when we do good to one another in the body of Christ it doesn't just build up one it builds us all up because we're all in the household of God and so you're no longer identified as individuals but as one and now listen when we're in this covenant with God the father with daddy God listen God doesn't do anything outside of his covenant with us The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. And so God doesn't do anything outside of this covenant uh, without thinking of us first. And so that's why as soon as the fall of man happened, the Bible, the first prophecy came forth. And and the father said, you'll bruise his heel, but get ready, devil. He's going to crush your head. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Come on, that happened on the cross of Calvary when that covenant was signed, sealed, delivered, ratified in the blood of Jesus Christ. And it was an open door for us not to just have access to the covenant, but have access through the covenant and get to the Father. Amen. Amen. And so the, we, we must realize that God doesn't do anything outside this covenant. And But if we're in covenant with him, I shouldn't do anything outside of this covenant either. I shouldn't do anything without first consulting the Father because we're in covenant. Most marriages are ending badly because they don't consult one another when they are in covenant with one another. And so a lot of people say finances are the big reason marriages are falling apart. And I don't believe it. I believe it's consulting. We don't consult with one another, especially on the spending of money. (laughs) And so that's why marriages are falling apart. So God doesn't operate outside of his covenant with us. We should not operate outside of our covenant with the Father. And we talked about last week the covenant as it was activated how you're supposed to get ready and you're going to have a different approach. And the approach that the uh, people had in the Old Testament as Moses was leading them out, it says you are to eat it in this manner with your belt fastened, with your sandals on your feet and with your staff in your hand. Get ready. Eat this in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. God said I want you to eat this in such a way that you're not ready to kick back and take a nap but it's going to revitalize you, energize you spiritually, amp you up and you're going to be ready to go through the covenant so eat it with an attitude of something's about to change in your life when you approach the covenant of God something's about to change in your life when you walked into this building this morning I hope you had the revelation something's about to change in my life I will never be the same because when daddy God shows up and the blood of Jesus Christ is speaking for us I'm telling you nothing can stay the same He's ready to make all things happen in your life. And so as their approach was the same, our our approach must be the same. As their application happened and they put the blood on the, the sides and the tops of the door frame, so they walked through the blood, our application must be the same. I pray that you've been pleading and praying the blood of Jesus over your family every single day this week. Can I get an amen on that? And, and if you don't know how to pray for your family, you just say, Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, and I'm letting the blood of Jesus do the talking for me. Amen. And the blood of Jesus is saying, your family is saved, your family is healed, your family is delivered, your family is blood-bought, your family is, 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 is sanctified, set apart as holy unto the Lord. That's what the blood is saying about your family. And you just need to say, amen, thank you, Jesus, I come into agreement because where two or more agree upon it, it is touching anything, boom, It's done, the Bible says. Come on now. God's fixing to do something in your life as we expound and get into this covenant. And I love this covenant because it's backed by every miracle Jesus ever performed, all the hosts of heaven, and daddy God himself. Come on. Some of y'all need to get that. The blood of Jesus just isn't standing alone. It's backed by every earthly miracle he ever did. Jesus walked on water, backing up that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the forces of nature. Jesus healed a blind man, proving that the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any physical disability. He told to the man who was lowered through the building on a mat, he said, take up your mat and walk, get your stuff and go because God has set you free, proving he's stronger than any bondage that ever happened here on this earth. Come on now. The blood of Jesus is talking. And it's backed by every miracle he ever did. It's backed by all the hosts of heaven who are gathered around that throne and saw the blood of Jesus drip on the holy covenant that's in the heavenly. And all the angels of heaven are saying, speak the blood. Because when the blood is spoken, we get to react on your behalf too. Come on. So it's not just backed by earthly miracles. It's backed by all the hosts of heaven and the 24 elders around the throne and the living creatures that are up there as well. And it's backed by the daddy. I, 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 I have never seen these movies. But I love it when the, 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 the line in the Godfather, when the Godfather speaks. You know, everybody listens. Welcome to the family. <laughs> right? Welcome to the family, my son. There was nobody interrupting Godfather. There is nobody interrupting God, your father. Ain't nobody interrupting him. And Daddy God has spoken. And he says the blood of Jesus speaks better, a better word, than the blood of Abel. And I'm ready for that better word, amen? Let's jump into it this morning. Hey, the title of this morning's message is The Coin. The coin is the title of this morning's message, and a lot of times when we approach the Word of God, we read it from a one-sided perspective. We read it from the perspective of our side as we're here in this earth, and we read it from the perspective of looking at it this way, but how many of you know that a coin, and many of you still have this coin here, it's the the coin with the belt of truth and everything on one side, but it's got the, the, the soldier on the other side. This is one coin. Can I get an amen? There's not two coins here. There's one coin here. Am I correct? Okay, and if this is one coin, that means it represents a singular thing. But the one coin has this side, and then it also has this side. This is so symbolic of how a covenant works. It's one. The covenant that we're in with God is one, but the covenant has two sides. Just like a coin, it's one thing, but it has two sides. And we always look at the coin from our side, looking to the heavenly perspective side. And there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with us having a coin and looking from the heavenly perspective side, realizing we can't wait to get to heaven. We can't wait to be with Jesus. We can't wait to be with the Father. And everything we do is from this one side of the coin that we begin to walk forward, that we begin to walk through, and we look at everything through this one-sided perspective. It's not wrong, but it is very incomplete. Okay? It is not wrong. It's just very incomplete. And this is why many believers don't walk in the fullness of what God has for them. Because we look at this coin or this covenant from the one side of the coin and the one perspective. And that's our perspective of going through here and getting to heaven one day. And in this, we have read the Bible through this one perspective. And in this, we've got born again. So why? When you get born again, why do you get born again? So many of us were told, so we can go to heaven. Right? Many of us in this, we say that Jesus came and died for our sins. Why? (laughs) So we can go to heaven. In this, we always say there's a day coming when Christ returns so he can take us all back and get caught up in the air. So why? We can do what? Go to heaven and get there one day. And the theology isn't wrong, but it's very incomplete. And in this incompleteness of theology, we've got to realize that there's another side to this coin. There's two sides of it, and we're always looking at this side of the coin, looking from this perspective of earth, trying to get to a heavenly perspective of heaven, and that is access through the covenant of God. And I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter number 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10 this morning. Because even in when we read this scripture... This is talking mainly about this one side perspective and going through to that perspective over there. And we're going to begin to see how God's going to do something different with his side of the coin versus just our side of the coin. When you found Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, say amen. amen. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That first, those first three verses are talking about this chair right here. The homeless and lost chair. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses, having had not had an encounter with God yet. And we were sitting in here, and we were called children of wrath, sons of disobedience. We gave in to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the mind. The Bible says doing whatever felt good to us at the time. And the Bible's talking about that chair right there, but it's also referring to the, belief, the the lifestyle of this chair right here, even though they've had an encounter with God. Because if you'll remember, these two chairs, their belief systems say they're totally different, but their actions seem to line up and be eerily the same. And so in that, those first three verses, we're looking at this scenario here, and now it goes on. Everybody say, but God. God. I right, say, but God. But God, being rich in mercy, amen? It didn't say grace right there, it said mercy. We're about to get to grace here in a little bit. But his mercy preceded his grace. So he was rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So from this point here to this point here, God says, I'm getting them access To the covenant, they were dead in their sins and trespasses, but by his grace, we have been saved. And so this chair here has had the encounter with the covenant, access to the covenant, got born again. We just haven't made the full transition over here into the area of sonship yet. Because most of us stop reading right there. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And we stop and we celebrate say, oh, thank you, Jesus (laughs) We've been made alive together with Christ, and by grace we have been saved. But listen, how did Abraham get in on this covenant? The Bible says Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted unto him as righteousness. God put, God before the law was ever put in place, wanted people to come to the covenant by faith in his son Jesus Christ. So we gotta realize that we got more than saved. It says, by grace you have been saved, but then this is where he starts changing. It says, "...and raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus." So God's still trying to get you past the you've been saved by grace through faith. We know we believe God is credited on us as righteousness as well, just like Abraham. But God says when that happens, you've got to make a transition, not just to the covenant, but begin to activate it by going through it because it's more than you've been saved by grace. It's by grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, over here. Now, now, now come on, a lot of us. We still haven't made that transition. We've activated it a couple of weeks ago by walking through the door. But, but a lot of us, we're still trying to backpedal because our nature is so accustomed to doing it this way. The Father says, your big fight now, Joel, is not against all the demons of hell. Your big fight is to not to go back to that chair and stay on this side, the God side of the covenant, in a place of sonship. See, my big fight is not against the enemy. We'll all preach it and scream it all day long. The enemy was defeated on the cross of Calvary. Yes and amen. So it's our job, if we truly know that and believe that, to stay in a place of faith, believing the word of God and the promises of God over the circumstances of our life. And so I must stay here in a place of belief. Jesus even said this in John. The work of God is to believe. (laughs) Because when you believe, you'll start doing. You'll start living different. You'll start changing a, a lifestyle that is in your life. And he brought us to a chair of sonship so that in the coming ages, God says, I want to do something. This is where it gets good. He said, when you finally make it over here to sonship, when you finally get to this place and and you're seated here with Christ Jesus in heavenly places and you make this your home and residence, God says, I got something for you. I get to start moving and doing something, God says. And this is what he says, I want you to stay in chair number one so that in the coming ages I can show the immeasurable riches of my grace and my kindness toward you who are in Christ Jesus seated in this chair in heavenly places. Come on. See, God says when you'll make it a point to stay here, I can show you my kindness, my incomparable riches, and all that heaven's got when you'll stay here. And he says, I need you to get on this side of the covenant. I need you to get on this side of the coin and get a heavenly perspective of what I'm trying to accomplish here. Of what I'm trying to do in this place. And so, for by grace you have been saved through faith. He's telling you how you got there. And this is not of your own doing. It is, a, it is the gift of God. Not by your works so that anyone can boast. So God says, when you come through here. I'm gonna show you everything I got, but don't ever think it's because of your works. It's because of my grace. Amen. Don't ever think all these miracles you start doing, Joel, is because of your work. It's because of my grace. Amen. And it's not hard to keep that revelation when you're still in this chair. It's when you slide back to this chair and the miracle signs and wonders are still in place and you start saying, Wow, I'm doing a great work. And daddy says, No, 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 no. You're just seated in chair one. I'm doing a great work. And it's by my grace. That I'm doing it. Now, this is where the coin flips. This is where the coin flips because God says, I'm reminding you how you got to chair one. It's by grace you have been saved. And it's not by your work so that you may boast. And so now that the coin flips and we're on the other side of the coin, verse 10 is where it becomes God's side of the coin. And he says, Now that you've always been looking at trying to get to heaven, now that you know that heaven is already your reality, you need to start looking at earth. From heaven's side of the coin, stop looking at heaven from earth's side of the coin. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Half y'all missed that. Now that you're on this side of the chair, you need to start looking at earth from heaven's side of the coin and stop looking at heaven from earth's side of the coin. See, a lot of us as believers, we're still over here saying, one day we're going to get to heaven. One day Jesus is coming back. One day we're going home. One day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation says it. One day, one day. And God says, no, you're still looking at heaven from an earth perspective. When God says, I've raised you, I've seated you in Christ Jesus in heavenly places, start looking at earth from a heavenly perspective. Because you're already here. And you're in this place. And I want to read to you verse 10. Because verse 10 is so amazing. It says, for we are his. Just stop right there. See, a lot of people miss that. A lot of people miss it. And a lot of people start feeling used and abused by God. Because you skip for we are his and the only word you see is workmanship. But you got to stop. It says, for we are his. Daddy God loves us so much, he said, baby, get out of chair two and three and come up here because you're mine you've been bought with a price you're mine and a lot of us in this we read that who says we read it and we just skip that person for we are his workmanship and we think we're just something god crafted and we're really not his we look at ourselves like an object or a tool rather than a, a person that he loves and that's the greatest lie of the devil is for him to get it back into our head when we're in chair one and for, the, the, for God to say, for you are mine, and the devil says, yeah, but he's just using you. He really don't love you. He really don't care about you because if he did, he would honor all those prayers you've been praying for your family. He would begin to bless all those works that you've been doing. If God really loved you and you were really his and not just his workmanship or created tool or object that he can change what his agenda is with, Do you understand? And that shows that you've slid back into chair two instead of staying in chair one. And the Bible says, for we are his. And you just got to stop right there and receive it. I'm his. I'm his. And he's mine. That ought to change your life. I'm his and he's mine. I love the song of Solomon. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am daddy God's and daddy God is mine. Jesus said, I and the father are one. Come on. When you're in covenant, you're inseparable. The two have become one. There's no longer individuals. For I am his and he is mine. And he loves me passionately. We are his workmanship. It is on him to make us as all our decisions are made on the covenant. Quit trying to be something. Quit trying to be something. The Bible says we are his. He loves us just the way we are. Workmanship. It's on God to make us all he wants us to be as long as our decisions are based on his covenant. See, a lot of us, we're over here and it says we are his, I love God, workmanship. So we're trying to become something for God. We're trying to make something of our life for God. We're trying to work our way to chair one. You can't work your way to chair one. It's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's the gift of God that no one's able to boast about. And so it says we are his workmanship, and it's on God to make us all that we're called to be as long as we base our decisions on his covenant. As long as I honor my covenant with God, it's on God to make Joel T. Meyer all he's called to be. All the churches that I'm ever supposed to plant, it's not on me to make it happen. I'm just supposed to make decisions concerning my relationship with him on this covenant, and it's on him from his heaven side to make all the the desires of earth manifested in my life. Well, that ought to set somebody free. You got it. You can quit working. You're his workmanship. You can quit working. It doesn't mean quit doing things because everything you do is now based on the covenant. And we're going to get into that here in just a second. It says, for we are his his workmanship. It's on him to make us into all we're called to be as long as our decisions are made on his covenant. Created in Christ Jesus. New, not fixed. Come on. We're created in Christ Jesus. Brand new, not fixed. God fixed my broken heart. No, he said, I'm going to replace that heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. New heart. God's into making new stuff. Amen? And I'm pumped about it. So in this, we must get to the point that we begin to say, uh, we're in Christ Jesus, so I'm new, not fixed, for good or heavenly works from sonship, which Daddy God has prepared beforehand, because Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the earth, that we should walk in them. So I just said a lot right there. So in this, we must get to the point that we are, we, are, we are his, his workmanship, and we're created new in Christ Jesus, brand new, not fixed, for good or heavenly works. Somebody say heavenly works. Notice I didn't say earthly works of heaven. I said heavenly works on earth. Come on. We're created for good or heavenly works from sonship see a lot of us we get confused because we're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places but yet we think when God's got to use us we got to go back out of here because now we got to go back into the realm of the earth no it's our job to always stay seated here in heavenly places and to do good or heavenly works from the place of sonship on earth okay so we're doing the works the good works the heavenly works of sonship from a place of sonship here on the earth because Jesus already accomplished it with the cross of Calvary and we're just supposed to walk out what God is doing through us in a place of sonship. See, we're seated with him in heavenly places, but he's living with us here on earth. Okay, We're seated with him and he's living in us. It's it's two different sides of the covenant and we got to begin to stay in a place of sonship while we're living here on earth knowing that we're sons seated in heavenly places and the Father's living with us while we're here on earth. But it's not two separate realms because a lot of us look at it as the earthly realm and the heavenly realm and God's trying to collide these two realms because if God is the God of heaven but he's living with us here on earth, he's trying to bring heaven to invade this realm of earth. Come on. Some of y'all got to get with me. Y'all are sitting here thinking, oh Lord Jesus, I don't know what he's about to say. I'm serious about this thing. God's trying to invade earth through you. God's trying to invade earth through you. Now listen to how Jesus prayed. He said, then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now you got to realize... What Jesus was and is, we now become. Okay? Jesus is the covenant between God and man. He is the pathway to get access to the Father. What Jesus was and is, we now become. Jesus was our pathway to the Father. What Jesus was and is, we now become. We are now the Father's pathway to earth. <laughs> Some of y'all got to get that. What, what Jesus was and is, we now become. What Jesus was and is, he still is. He's the pathway for lost people, chair two and three, to come through, not just have access to the covenant, have activated the covenant by going through it. And it was, Jesus was the pathway for us who were dead in our trespasses to walk through the covenant and be seated with Christ in heavenly places. But what Jesus was and is, he was and is our pathway to the Father, we also become. So we become this pathway that as we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, physically living on this earth, we become the Father's pathway to the earth for good works to be done. That ought to set some of you free. That, That ought to change some of your life. And I want to explain to you what God's desire has always been. We have always viewed the covenant from this one side perspective of us on earth getting to heaven one day. That has not been God's perspective. God's perspective since the book of Genesis was not for us to get to heaven. It was for him to cohabitate with us here on this earth. It was to bring heaven to an earthly realm. So if somebody's backwards in this covenant relationship, I'm not saying it's you, but I know it's not God. I've been watching a lot of politics lately, okay? I'm not saying it's you, but I know it's not God if somebody's been backwards in this covenant. And so in saying that, we got to realize that in the Garden of Eden, God told his people, Adam and Eve, go build a kingdom here on earth. And he said, fill the earth and subdue it. Subdue is a military term. So when God said, I planted a garden, I'm placing you in there. Fill the earth and subdue it. Spread my kingdom on this earth where I can come cohabitate and visit with you. And the Bible says God would come to earth and talk with man in the cool of the day and the time of the evening breeze. So it was never God's desire to plant a garden on earth and put Adam and Eve there and then one day bring them back to heaven. That wasn't his desire. God's desire was to plant a garden in the middle of the earth, put Adam and Eve there, so he can come and bring heaven to a place of cohabitation on this earth. And God began to do it. And so Jesus came to the earth, and God's desire is still the same all the way through. That's why they built the tabernacle in the wilderness, so God can come. and well, Let's go back farther. God met with Moses on the mountain where his glory could fall, so he could cohabitate with man. But the people of Israel said, Moses, we don't like it. You go talk to God for us. God wanted to cohabitate with man, even in their lost, sinful wilderness state. The tabernacle in the wilderness, He said, Build me a tabernacle, put the ark in the middle, in the very center of the Holy of Holies, where I can come and my glory can fill the place so I can cohabitate with man. In the real tabernacle, He said, Do the same thing, build me a temple. King Solomon built it in the Holy of Holies where I can come cohabitate with man. Then Jesus came to the earth. Come on now. And Jesus said, I'm not just going to show you what a covenant is where father can come speak i'm gonna become a i'm gonna show you what the trueness and the fullness i'm gonna become a pathway for the father not to get you to him but for him to get to you (laughs) oh come on now oh come on i i'm gonna do that again some of y'all just get it (laughs) jesus said it's always been god's desire to cohabitate with us here on this earth so i'm gonna do more than give you access to get up here with him he said, I'm going to give the Father access to get down here with you. Ooh. So while well, you're trying to get through this way, God says, I'm trying to get through this way. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get through the door to get to heaven, God says, what are you doing? I'm trying to get through this door to get to earth. Ooh, come on now. God's going to change your life. And so God's trying to get to this earth. Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you notice whatever Jesus touched with his hand, something happened person with a blind eye. He spit in the ground, made mud, put it on a dude's eye. Kingdom of heaven was at hand. I don't know why he chose to do it that way. I know that's one of my dad's favorite stories because he finds it so humorous and and, and I do too. And it's like, why would you use spit and mud and just (laughs) I don't know why Jesus decided to do it that way. Probably because he could show, watch, when the kingdom of heaven is at hand, even the most insignificant thing I can use to make a miracle. Come on now. And so in that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's right here. It's when I touch something, it's heaven touching it. And what Jesus was and is, we become. Ooh, some of y'all are just like, oh, Lord Jesus. You just finally started feeling the fullness of the weight of the anointing. What Jesus was and is, we become. And what he touched, heaven entered and transformed it. And heavenly reality became, uh, the, and a the heavenly reality came to a blind man and he began to see. And a heavenly reality became to, to a deaf man and began to hear. And a demonic, a heavenly reality came and he was set free and sitting in his right mind. Come on now. Some of y'all need to start claiming a right mind. And watch what God has planned. Ooh, I got to start going. Jesus even said, I'm going to teach you how to pray, disciples. Pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus said, I'm calling heaven to come to earth again for cohabitation. And God doesn't cohabitate on our terms. He cohabitates on his terms. That's why he said the covenant there, the blood's there. I'm not cohabitating on your sinful terms. I'm cohabitating on my son's righteous terms. And you are bought with a price and you are the righteousness of Christ. So I can now cohabitate with you because you are the righteousness of my son and his blood. So God says that pathway is my son for me to get to you and come to this earth. Now listen, in the Revelation it goes on to say it again. It says, John says, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming. See, we always say we're going to get to heaven one day, but God's creating a brand new earth for us to be on. Yeah. Amen. And you say, well, why was God creating a brand new earth for us to be on? Because he's restoring and making all things new. Right. In Genesis, there was an earth and there was the heavens. And the heaven that God resided in. And so in this place God says redemption means making all things new. So I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth where I can come and have uninterrupted cohabitation with my kids. And they can have free access to me. Now here's where it gets exciting. For this pathway that is you and me. Because what Jesus is and was we now become. Where he was our access to the father we're now the father's access to the earth. And some of y'all are already feeling the weight of. Oh, Lord, I got to do some righteous living. Oh, I got to change in this aspect of holiness. Oh, I got to. Oh, I got to. Oh, I got to. Why are you going back to chair two? Why are you going back to chair two? It is by grace you have been saved. And God's going to do good and heavenly works when you stay in sonship because that gives him access to the earth. And listen, God doesn't need a lot in the natural, he just needs a pathway to it. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to it. I'll prove it to you. God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to it. He only needed a willing boy with five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000. God didn't need a lot in the natural. He needed a willing boy that said, God, I don't have a big pathway, but all that I have is yours. And Daddy God said, son, I see your five loaves and I see your two fish, but you don't see heaven yet. But if you're willing to put them in the hands of my son and he's my pathway, I can come to earth and heaven can touch that five loaves and two fish and I'm going to feed the multitudes. See, God doesn't need a lot in the natural. He just needs a pathway to it. God only needed four men who said, I'm willing to carry a mat with my paralytic friend on it, and I'm just willing to lower him through the roof. See, God didn't need a mat, need a lot. He just needed four men and a mat carrying a paralytic. And when they brought him to his son and they laid him before Jesus, Jesus looked at him and he said, Daddy, God, you know this man's got an issue. And he said, Son, take up your mat and walk. See, God doesn't need a lot. He just needs... Four men and a mat. He doesn't need a lot. He just needs four men and a mat. And Jairus, great, great, great godly man in the New Testament, runs up to Jesus and says, Jesus, my daughter is sick, and she is about to die. Listen, God doesn't need a lot. He just needs a pathway and this man's great faith was so great he said you don't even got to worry about coming and touching her you just say the word and Jesus said I just got to speak now and heaven gets to come into this earth and begins to transform something here Come on, God said I just needed faith because now the pathway used to be the kingdom of heaven is at hand and I got to touch it Jesus said this man's faith is great enough that he said I don't have to even touch it I just got to say it and because of his faith and the righteousness that he's in in the old covenant through the son in the new covenant I get to bring heaven to the earth now just by my spoken word. Ooh, come on now. Come on now. And here's, here's my favorite one. There was a woman and she was a woman with an issue. See God doesn't need a lot. He just needs somebody to be a pathway. He, he doesn't need a lot. And some of you are sitting in this chair and you say, but pastor I got an issue. There's a divorce on my record but pastor I got an issue there's alcoholism on my record but pastor I got an issue there's a drug addiction on my record but pastor I got an issue there's depression on my record but pastor I got an issue my rebellious kids are on my record but pastor I got an issue God doesn't need a lot he just needs a pathway and even if the pathway has got an issue he said I don't need to worry about the issue as long as you're going to be willing and open I can come through the pathway no matter how many issues it is because I don't see your issues I'm seeing it from heaven's side I'm seeing it from the blood side i'm seeing the side that my son is speaking on and he said even if you got an issue if you're willing to open the door i can let all heaven come in and she said if i will just touch the hem of his garment even with my issues i can find a way to bring heaven into this earth come on now some of you with your issue ridden life with all the issues you have homosexual kids and all. I don't care what it is. You got five divorces on your record. You got issues in your life and you're saying, oh God, you just can't use me. God's saying, son, it's time for you to hush. It's time for you to sit right here in this chair and it's time for daddy God to begin to unbutton his sleeves and begin to roll it up because even with your issues, if you're willing to be a pathway, it's time for daddy God to go to work. And it's not just daddy God fixing to rush through that door. If you'll open it wide enough, daddy God's going to come through. Angels, are you ready? We're fixing to come through. All the hosts of heaven are you ready we're fixing to come through and God doesn't just stroll on up God's sitting here like this saying we're fitting to go just open the door and he's coming through and he's going to get into your life he's going to get into your life come on now Woo! somebody ought to start running in this place I'm just saying get me a sweat rag too I guess Woo! you think God's waiting on you or you, we think God's waiting on us God says I'm just waiting on you to open that door But here's the life of so many believers. We come through and we do this. That was never the intention. God's saying, why why are you closing the door on me? See, a lot of us are enjoying sonship and enjoying the benefits of the father, enjoying the benefits of the house, enjoying the benefits of the chair one, enjoying the benefits of being home. But Daddy, God didn't call you to sonship, to close the door to the earth. He called you to sonship for him to have a pathway to get through this side all the way through here. And here's the problem. Even in the area of sonship, some of you are willing to only open the door this far because your schedule is closing the door. Some of you are saying, God, I'll give you a little bit more because I know you got to do something in me. I know you want to do something in me, so I'm going to open the door a little bit. But God said, what, what can I do if I let the door swing wide? Because some of you are barely letting God slide through. And he said, I don't want to just come through by myself. I got all the hosts of heaven ready to storm your world. I'm just waiting for some God-fearing, blood-bought believers to say I'm in chair one, but I'm not staying here alone. I'm going to become a pathway and an open door. What Jesus was and is, I now become. And so, Daddy God, I don't just become a pathway. I'm holding the door open, and all the hosts of hell can't close it. And come on through and get into my life. (laughs) Get in here. And here is what I'm challenging you to do. When you buy a house, what do you do? You sign a contract. You sign it, and you put your name on that thing. Jeff and Andy, can y'all come grab this door and just bring it right down there to the other side of the baptistry? When you buy a house, you sign a contract. And you sign your name to it saying, I am going to uphold and maintain my side of this contract and this covenant. Y'all look at me. They can carry a door by themselves. You know what I'm talking about? All, all the way to the Baptist side, far, far, far side on the floor. When you sign a contract, you say, I am upholding my side of this agreement. I'm upholding it and I'm gonna maintain all the uh, uh, agreements with it. I'm going to make sure they happen. I'm going to make sure my dues are paid on that. I'm going to make sure I do everything in my part to make this happen. And you know what? As long as you do your part and make decisions within your side of the contract, all the powers that be over here that you're coming into contract with support you and back you and are there for you in that contract. Even when you don't have the means yourself, they had more than enough to take care of the need that you had, and you signed that contract and came into agreement with somebody who had more than you did. In your walk with Christ, it is no different. You came into a covenant, a contract, with the blood of Jesus Christ, and he signed it in his blood. And you said, and he said, I am now your access to the Father to sit in this chair, chair one. And most of us have enjoyed sitting here. But today I'm going to ask you to sign your end of the contract. Because God never wanted us to just get to heaven. He wanted to come to earth. And he didn't come through that door blazing like that just to see somebody. He says, I see homeless slaves and I see homeless lost people in chair two and three that I've got to have a pathway to come to. And just like a few weeks ago, we had everybody walk through that door. And say, this is my activating of the covenant. You activated something. And you realize last week all heavens on your side with the blood of Jesus speaking for you. But now, daddy, God is asking something of you. That you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works through him. Through his power. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to spend time in prayer. And I'm going to ask you to come when you get done with that. If you're willing to say, Daddy God, I'm not just willing to say I'm going to do it. I'm going to come over here, and I'm physically going to do it. I'm going to ask you to come over here, and on this chair right here, and 20 of y'all can do it at once, grab a marker and say, I'm signing my end of the covenant, and I'm going to make sure that that door never closes. And this is my name before you, God Almighty, that this door I'm in contract with you, and I am your pathway to earth. And some of y'all are thinking, that sounds kind of silly. I'm sitting here thinking, when we have over 500 signatures on this door, how much of heaven can invade this hell on earth that we live in? How much of heaven can burst through this door? And some of you are sitting here this morning thinking, I feel inadequate. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I've got issues. I've got problems. I've got circumstances that, that are hindering me. There's nothing that God could use me for, I say I beg to differ. I beg to differ because I saw a woman with the issue of blood. I saw a woman with an issue that said, if I just touch heaven, come on, if I just touch it, I'll be whole. There will be something different. If you just touch it, God can burst through on your scene like never before.